I'm Blake Hargreaves. Welcome to Future Stops. You're hearing Voiceless Mass by Raven Chacon, a work we featured this season on Future Stops shortly after it premiered. Voiceless Mass was just awarded the 2022 Pulitzer Prize in Music. We're extremely delighted for Raven Chacon, and even a little bit pleased with ourselves for bringing the story of this brilliant work for Pipe Organ Ensemble to you first, here on Future Stops. As our second season comes to a close, we wanted to look back at some of the wonderful artists we've spoken to and look forward to an exciting new initiative, the Future Stops Festival, when we bring the podcast to life with live in-person performances, interviews, and demonstrations. From September 29th to October 1st, we're putting on an extravaganza of 21st century organ with performers, thinkers, builders, and enthusiasts converging in Toronto for three packed days of events and music featuring names regular Future Stops listeners will be familiar with. One of those visionary artists we'll be presenting at the Future Stops Festival is Charlemagne Palestine, who takes the organ to new territory with ecstatic creative playing. As he told us back in Season 1, his process of preparing for a performance is complex and specific to the organ he'll perform on. Well, the system, I'm you're, normally I have a few sheets of... Uh, normal A4 um, paper or a little booklet and I quickly like try out all the or- or organ in this case and see which stops are working, which ones aren't. Uh, I, ha- I bring little um, paper circles that you can write on um, uh, and I number the different um, the the, the the keys and the stops. So I, I test their overtone um, and the intensities. I start with the ones which are the, the quietest and the calmest, and then gradually I add, but I do that already very quickly. So I know while I'm uh, performing, I go from one to two to three to four to five to six to seven. Uh, and I've already tested, so I know that gradually it will, unless I want to do a performance that is uh, not so like the waves start small and then they get larger, sometimes then I can go from 2 to 10, to from 8 to, to 30, uh, uh, which sometimes I've done. It depends the energy of the space and the time. So this piece, the the organ is the greatest synthesizer ever. Is it an improvisation? Did you have a lot of time to prepare with that organ? That's another word I don't like. Uh, improvisation. They use it for everything. I I always thought there should be more words for when you don't do something, reading it from a book or from a score. But they never did come away with many versions. So yes, I as I was explaining. I didn't know, first of all, that the organ had problems. And and when I arrived, they said, uh, oops, uh, we didn't tell you, but this organ has problems. And so I've 
it's not the first time, as I have explained. I've been with so many organs, and some of them have problems, and so I try to work around these problems. And so I had known, not a, a long time, but I didn't. I created a system very quickly, followed my system of continuum, and created a, an event. Some of the registers didn't work at all, but it just happened that all the registers that did work were the kind of registers that I loved, and they they did beats and combinations that were beautifully poetic, which I didn't play. I just uh, my favorite is when there are sonorities that I let. Um, continue together and they play themselves and you think you're hearing like arpeggios and enormous amounts of fluctuations that I'm not doing at all. The sounds are doing it with themselves. <laughs> That was an excerpt of The Organ is the Greatest Synthesizer Ever, recorded in Friedenskirche, Yupin, and released on the Mea Kusma label in 2019. Also joining us in Toronto this September is Paris-based American composer Callie Malone. In working with the pipe organ, Malone chooses to set limits and constraints on the raw musical materials, 
and with this simplicity invites the listener towards an experience of diffuse awareness. And so figuring out what what characteristics I could create with these limitations of, okay, here's six pitches and their various harmonics and figuring out, yeah, the, the richness of experience that could emerge from um, a very limited, a very seemingly limited um, musical choices is actually super vast. And this idea of quantity and uh, quantity of, uh, of expressions and having oh I'll play this many notes and it seemed as virtuoso it's it's sort of this thing in classical contemporary classical music that uh, composers should write many notes uh, in their compositions to give the musicians a good bang for their buck <laughs> at least that's what I experienced when I was studying composition um, sort of idea that maybe musicians were a bit disappointed if there weren't if there wasn't more information, more challenge, more a more quantity of uh, Italian words and notes on the page uh, to give them some more labor. <laughs> and uh, oftentimes I had the experience uh, that I would give my scores to some musicians and they'd say, oh, it's super easy, great, this is all, okay. Uh, but, <laughs> but then when it came to executing the music, it was actually much more difficult um, <laughs> to, to achieve and pull off and uh, the sort of struggle in the mind to sit, sit with something for longer than you're comfortable with. This is something I learned a lot from Pauline Oliveros's work. The challenge between, between yeah, maintaining your active listening and going beyond that urge to change uh, the sort of endurance seeking, and also, she yeah she has this one this one piece that is hold a note for as long as you can stand it, and then once you can stand it, change it. <laughs> uh, and I loved just yeah figuring out that timing of like okay I'm holding a note oh I'm at I'm at uh, three minutes and it's it's impossible I want to change I'm so my anxiety is overwhelmed I really need to change notes but then when I get to seven minutes I I couldn't imagine any other note but this one it's the most beautiful note in the world there's so much complexity in the series I've like completely have uh you know released myself to this note and then at that moment is when you should change <laughs> was pretty interested in um, dissecting canonical form in, uh, in this way because I, I had obviously like first come across canonical forms in early religious music um, like the music of I think the first time I was really dissecting canonical forms was in the music of Josquin de Prez and um, I found it so interesting to try to follow a single voice for as long as I could without looking at the score and then just feeling completely lost. <laughs> and um, and even this music that is so rational in its construction, it, listening to it in a linear way is, mm, it's it's impossible. It's almost like if you if you think about, you can't sing more than one note at a time and even thinking about harmony is very difficult. 
and thinking about the connection of this type of music that is um, performed in churches and how how these canonical structures also aid in the architectural structures of the church and the, all of the adornments that go into um, providing a certain psychological effect on the person within the church and experiencing that music. Yeah, I was I was interested in investigating these techniques, but from a very different cultural place. That was an excerpt of Spectacle of Ritual by Callie Malone from The Sacrificial Code released on Ideal Recordings in 2019. Sarah Devachi was an early guest on Season 1. The Canadian composer explored a universe of keyboard instruments during an extended period working at the National Music Centre in Calgary, where they have a massive collection. She applies this experience to the organ, exploring timbre and tuning, and connecting with the organ's softer side. You know, one of the things that's interesting to me about organs, like me specifically in terms of my um, aesthetic, I guess, as a composer, um, is that there are these instruments that are often associated with this really like, you know, overwhelming, almost like bombastic kind of sound, or they can be. Um, But I think a lot of people who don't listen to organs or who have never played an organ before um, aren't as aware of how like quiet and how sort of delicate and intimate organs can also be, um, even when they're being loud or, you know, even when it's in something like a lower frequency that, that you would maybe associate with this larger sound. Um, that's really interesting to me, this idea of organs being sort of quieter instruments. Um, and that instrument, even though it is quite large and it does have quite a large span, it it just has this really delicate quality to me even when it's being loud it doesn't i don't know it doesn't feel loud and uh that was really interesting to me so yeah i did this series of of the five pieces 
that again i don't i don't even know how i'd play that on another instrument um and i don't know how i'd play it live because it was so in the moment especially um when we were exploring um letting the air like letting the the bellows empty a bit you know those kinds of things um in my mind are just so specific to that moment and so specific to that instrument um that i wouldn't even necessarily want to try to translate that onto something else because i think you know it would just be a different thing um yeah and i think you know when you're working in those concepts especially when you know you're dealing with like anything in sort of the western classical tradition i mean you know, sacred music is always going to come up as something that was there or was an influence or had some kind of impact on it. Um, I try to, in my own work, try to, you know, sort of take the basic conceptual things that I think are interesting and leave the rest separate from me as much as I can. Like even with the Station series, I mean, that's a, you know, kind of stealing, I guess, or borrowing from the idea of the Stations of the Cross. Uh, which is not something that means anything to me from a religious perspective, but this idea of the word stations as being an expression of different states of being or states of moving through some kind of transition um, is, you know, a more basic concept that I think uh, anybody can, can relate to.
That was an excerpt of Stations 2 by Sarah Devachi from the album Cantus Descant, released on Late Music in September 2020. Sarah will be joining us in Toronto at the Future Stops Festival September 29th to October 1st. Raven Chacon is a Diné composer from Fort Defiance, Navajo Nation, Arizona, whose first work featuring Oregon was just awarded the 2022 Pulitzer Prize for Music. The composition, titled Voiceless Mass, was commissioned for a Thanksgiving concert in Milwaukee, and it will be performed for the first time in Canada at the Future Stops Festival. Again, I'm, I was completely honored to be able to, you know, have this, this piece be in dialogue with, with the space and um, the, open, the open-mindedness of um, the cathedral of St. John the Evangelist and, and the folks that steward the organ also. You know, we're very helpful in, in uh, just making the entire work happen. I think the community there also appreciated that discussion. So, um, so that was it. And and it's not that I have a you know a, a solution or anything like that. But the, what art can do is you know bring bring up these these beginnings of a conversation, perhaps. And you know, for me, that's if a if a chamber piece can accomplish that, that's that's huge for me i mean and, and that's maybe what i seek in in music sometimes you know at the same time music doesn't have to do any of that music can just exist and so um so the space itself i mean just if you're talking about the acoustics of the space uh absolutely beautiful uh and 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 there's two organs that are being used in this uh i don't know enough about how this works but they were i guess i suppose daisy chained and so you would hear it on both ends. You would hear the organ that's in the apse, and you would hear the other one on the other side. And so just to the the way that it would fill the entire space. And, you know, for myself, I mean, I, I wrote the piece without having the ability to go out there and not only work with the organ, but hear the space itself. So that was always, you know, that was a little scary up until the time we actually got to rehearse in there. And as I say, that the organ was the the foundation of the work i mean it, it couldn't have been any other way this overpowered if it wanted to everything else in the space so what that led me to do i mean the assumption that that was going to happen led me to uh write this instruction into the piece that the other instruments should be separated and spaced out around the space they they were not going to be in a traditional configuration cluster on a stage, for instance. The only way they were really going to be heard is if they were dispersed within the space, because the organ is so powerful. The organ is so encompassing. And conceptually, I mean, that was that was also important because of talking about perhaps individual voices, the meaning of that. You know what what that means to to have an individual voice amongst others, or to contribute. You know, in the round, or or in a you know in a in a circle, it's a speaking circle, a talking circle. Well, I found I found the the tension in the piece. You know, um, really spoke to um, the timelessness of the subject and the gravity of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with you know the way it came out. I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of ways to do it again. And, uh, you know, of course it was written, uh, specifically for the organ that is, is there at, 
at that cathedral. But I, my, my next, uh, thing I got to learn is, you know, what, what, how do I adapt it? You know, I mean, you know, what is common amongst uh, a lot of these organs and, um, yeah. And, and what can be changed? I'm, I'm also not the type of composer that is too sacred about the, the score itself in some ways or the composition itself. I mean, I, I feel like there should be some fluidity built into all of these things that I make. You're listening to the Future Stops podcast, an initiative of the Royal Canadian College of Organists. My name is Blake Hargreaves, and I'm your host as we explore the world of the 21st century organ. We just heard an excerpt of Voiceless Mass by Raven Chacon, performed at St. John the Evangelist in Milwaukee in 2021. You can hear the Canadian premiere of this Pulitzer Prize-winning work at Roy Thompson Hall in Toronto, September 30th, at the Future Stops Festival. Amina Claudine Myers is a jazz musician living in New York City who just celebrated her 80th birthday and shows no signs of slowing down. Her work with the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians in Chicago and in New York continues to expand the vocabulary of jazz, especially her 1979 work, The Improvisational Suite. See, in 1979, I wanted to showcase operatic voices in an improvisational setting. So I chose singers, you know, lyric coloratures, counter tenor, uh, 
I want I chose these singers from the Alvin Ailey Dance Company because Alvin Ailey was doing Revelations and the Blue Sweets. And I went to see him. In fact, I, we went to California with the piano, pianist. I took his place, substitute. We went to California. That's where I met Alvin. And uh, a young man brought Alvin over to my house because he heard the improvisational suite, and he thought it would be nice for Alvin to to uh, choreograph. He could use the music, you know, by uh, suite, some of my compositions for his dance company. But Alvin said the suite would run the dancers off the stage. It didn't need any dancers. But uh, I took eight singers from the 16 singers, and we went to Europe, Finland, Norway, Paris, and we performed here in the States, the eight singers from the 12, 16 singers. And so, uh, but the pipe organ is something, as I said, I played Mozart's Reckham in school, but I never studied the pipe organ, never. And... I guess I had nerves because I decided to do the pipe organ recitals and stuff. I think the first one was in Hungary. We used to go up into the back of the church and go up the stairs, narrow stairs, and you could see down to. And when I was here in New York, when I moved here, this is uh, the, the Catholic church is right around the corner from my house. I went and asked, as I said, I had some nerves. I went up to the, oh, when I was in Canada, in Toronto, we did a concert up there, a friend of mine at the university, uh, he was getting his degree, and he, he did a, a program, and uh, I, I played the pipe, or I, the, the dancer from Chicago, a choreographer, she danced, I remember she got a sheet, wrapped a sheet around her, a white bed sheet. And I played the pipe organ and improvised. I played it there in Toronto. Anyway, uh, so I, I, I decided I wanted to do improvisational, some of my pieces on the pipe organ. That's how I started. But uh, the improvisational suite, uh, first composition is called Colors. And that's the introduction, that's the instrumental only, only the organ. And then it goes into Earth. It's a very, it features a lyric coverture in the counter-tenor. And then ben, Manhattan is like a walking kind of jazz kind of thing. And it's, you know, the people, it's, it's expressing the people here in New York, the city of New York, the people walking down the street. And um, there's a drum, drum, and so I had I had timpani drums and trap drums, and the second drummer was a congo player.
That was an excerpt of the Improvisational Suite by Amina Claudine Myers, premiered in New York City in 1979. Amina will be joining us September 30th to perform this work at Roy Thompson Hall as part of the Future Stops Festival. We hope you'll join us in Toronto next September 29th to October 1st or online where you can see performances of this music live and experience the 21st century organ. Our program begins Thursday, September 29th at the Cathedral Church of St. James with a concert featuring Canadian performer Carolise Coverdale, Boston organist Thomas Milan, and Callie Malone. Friday and Saturday during the day, we'll have presentations, demonstrations, live interviews, and a concert of handmade organs featuring Japan's Fujita and Denmark's Sandra Boss in Roy Thompson Hall. The centerpiece of our event is a concert and gala Friday night, September 30th, featuring Raven Chacon's Voiceless Mass and Amina Meyer's Improvisational Suite, with an after-party reception featuring the Jeff McLeod Organ Trio. The festival concludes Saturday night, October 1st, with performances by Canadian composer Sarah Devachi, organist Matthew Larkin, and Charlemagne Palestine. This concludes our season. We'll be back in September with new episodes of Future Stops. Stay in touch over the summer to learn more about the diverse and exciting programming we'll bring to you with the Future Stops Festival, which will be streamed online so anyone with an internet connection can tune in. You can always reach us at Future Stops and Future Stops Podcast on social media like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or at our website, futurestops.org. If you'd like to show your support for this podcast and help us get the word out about these fascinating and dedicated artists whose work could be better known and enjoyed with our support, go to patreon.com slash futurestops. Future Stops is a podcast from the Royal Canadian College of Organists produced by Andrew O'Connor with Sanjay Parker as community manager and executive producer Elizabeth Shannon. I'm your host, Blake Hargreaves.